If you're worried your friend may be struggling, remember, you don't have to be there to be there. You can say how are you or get a fake tattoo. You can ask with an app if it works for you. You could chat on a game, kick off your flip flops. You can ask on your couch while you binge watch. Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Learn how you can help at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! gentlemen and welcome in to the bottom of the eighth inning of game 13 of the sports insanity podcast right here on the sports insanity network i am mike ripkin joined by danny boy reginald dan ryan's dan tgif my friend how are you all good tgif looking forward to the weekend um as the great rebecca black would say I mean, it's raining in, in Washington. I don't know how it is by you guys, but it's it's some brutal weather though. So it, 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 it's making its way north because it is supposed to rain here on Long Island throughout yeah. the the weekend. Well, no Nationals tonight, so that'll be nice to not watch a losing effort. Though they did have a good series against the Mets. They did. They did. I was at the game Tuesday night. Yep. So yeah, but yeah, no Nationals. Vet fingers crossed Mets Braves can at least p- play tonight because I don't think they'll get tomorrow or Sunday in, but mm-hmm. that's baseball talk. Uh, we will have batter up this weekend at some point, but we start NFL. We were live last night during the first round of the draft, and Dan, I just want to get – I know we had it last night, but – did anything catch your eye in particular last night through, through the first round of the draft? I was kind of shocked by the Cardinals being aggressive. Not mm-hmm. that I didn't expect them to make good decisions draft-wise, but the fact that they were aggressive and making trades early on and trying to sort of help the situation, trying to better the cause for Kyler Murray and all that stuff, and – Obviously, it's a change of regime over there in, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, the, losing out on a lot of different players too. JJ Watt's gone, so that sort of caught my eye. I don't know if Arizona is going to be good this season. I don't ex- certainly don't expect them to be um, anywhere near a playoff team. But the fact that they're addressing their future now says something. Like it, it does say something a little bit that they're not necessarily gonna, you know, cow down and all that stuff. So it's it's pretty. Dumb. They're not getting comfortable on that cactus that they've been sitting on for the past couple of years. Uh, for for me, I, I go with the team the Cardinals traded with in, in one of their trades, and that's the Houston Texans. Uh, I thought Houston had a really good night. 
take C.J. Stroud, number two overall from Ohio State, the quarterback. Listen, I'll tell you this. I was one of the people who bought the smoke and bought the hype that they were not taking a quarterback into. I was that guy. I will not deny that. So them to get the quarterback that, you know, the smoke screen was set, I, I bought in. Then they moved from 12 to 3, making that trade with the Cardinals. That includes a first-round pick next year, which is their own, not the one they get from Cleveland, the Deshaun Watson deal. But to take Will Anderson, who a lot of people had as the best overall player in the draft and the best defensive player in the draft. So they're building something there with D'Amico Ryans. And they have some pieces there. Defensively, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, and now Will Anderson, all young. Offensively, Stroud is going to work with Damian Pierce. They need to get a receiver at some point in this draft, but they're building it up slowly in Houston. Yeah, it's going to be a process. Yeah, and listen, to quote the great Philadelphia 76ers, you got to trust the process. It, it, look, just don't draft Ryan, Ben Simmons. Nico Ryan's is a rookie head coach. He is going to make a lot of mistakes in year one. He's going to have a lot of good moments in year one. To tie that in with a lot of the young players that are going to come in here, you, know, you have CJ, now you have Will Anderson, and then obviously a lot of the young guns that they already had on that team. <laughs> There's bound to be a lot of things that there's bound to be growing pains, basically what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. So the Texans fans should look into this season as like, a okay, let's get through all of the bad things. Let's make the mistakes. Let's learn. And at the same time, let's also develop. Let's also beef up the team. It's going to be a culture changing year. But, but you have to have the good people around you. And I think the Texans have a good, good supporting cast around you. All the Deshaun stuff is over. Move on. And this is the best way to do it. This is going to sound a little bit weird, but, but I, I will make the point. They can be, for me, this year, what I thought the Jaguars were going to be last year, which was – they're not a playoff team, but they're a much more respectable team in how their development and growth is becoming yeah. because of who the head coach now is, what they what they bring to the table. And they dr- – listen, last night they had a really good draft or the good first round. They've had a pretty nice offseason too. So there are things looking up in Houston. You are not – to, to go to NASA because located in Houston, there's some resemblance of a liftoff. It's it's not to the moon yet, but it's a ste- it's a steady flight that's occurring. So um, the Texans stand out for me. The the Cardinals for Dan. I, I mean, I would talk about the Eagles, but every freaking network today is talking about the Eagles. The Eagles, look, did they make big moves, eye-opening moves? Sure. But the Eagles are already a good team. Yeah. This is, this is just trying to 
you know, win a Super Bowl at this point. It's just trying to further their chances. You know, you already have a stacked team. You bring in the young players with a team that's already a winnable team. Like all, all that's doing is you're you're just, you know, at this point, you're just you're just trying to elevate it so that you have a Super Bowl winner. And they're they're very close. So uh yeah, that they had a good night. Seattle, I thought, also had a good night. So, you know, draft continues tonight and tomorrow with rounds two and three tonight, four through seven tomorrow. But also in the NFL, we had news before the draft even started. That's how big it was. Yep. Jalen Hurts had been the highest paid player in NFL history. That lasted all of about a week because now Lamar Jackson is the highest paid player in NFL history, signing a five-year, $285 million contract. Our 260 and 185 of it is guaranteed. Just make sure I'm getting the numbers right on that. Uh, and but everyone's praising Lamar because he did it without an agent. I'm going to pivot for a second. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a counter-argument. I believe the second the Ravens addressed the wide receiving position and getting Odell, I think Lamar bought it. So it's not a matter of you know whether or not Lamar has good negotiating tactics. I think the Ravens said to Lamar, look, we're giving you a lot of stuff. We're giving you weapons now. We have a better offensive coordinator that's going to be more pass-happy than the running game of Greg Roman. And it doesn't mean you won't be running anymore. It just means that you'll be a little more passer, and you'll be able to prove yourself that you can be a big-time passer. And no, he can be. So now what, what this all is all about was giving Lamar, one, the weapons needed, and getting him excited for Odell and many, many more weapons to come and telling him, look, you're not going to get this anywhere else. No one's going to pay for you. So here is an offer which will make you the highest paid uh, NFL player, you know, quarterback, whatever it was, in history. And he took it because he was committed. Because he saw the Ravens were committing to him. So now he's committed. It's a five-year deal. He's there for a foreseeable future. And it works for both sides. Lamar stays with the team that drafted him, the place that he loves. And then the Ravens keep their guy. This is where I got to give the Ravens front office a ton of credit. Because I know there's a lot of people who are going to say uh, it's a lot of money especially because he's the highest paid player in league history now. But I look at it and go, remember where we were about a month to six weeks ago where the report had come out, he had requested a trade and all this other stuff, and they could have said, okay, now we're we're kind of screwed because now we have to move on and figure out what we're going to do. And they said, hold on. He could still sign the franchise tag tender, which he was probably never going to do. 
and they they turned it into okay. Here's how we're going to help Lamar because you're right. Bringing in Odell is a massive help because now Lamar has a guy, and this could do for Lamar what bringing in Stephon Diggs did for Josh Allen. He finally has that guy. Mark Andrews is still going to be Mark Andrews. You know, if Bateman could stay healthy, that'd be phenomenal. And then last night they drafted Zay Flowers out of BC. So already this offense could be very explosive. The other part you mentioned, and I'm happy you mentioned it, is there is no more Roman Empire kind of offense. Because Greg Roman's offense was, I don't want to call it, it was bland. It was very bland. It it was a one-trick pony type of offense. It's always centered on one thing and one thing only. And it's not a knock on Greg Roman. I think he's one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes when you need to elevate your offense so it could be better, I don't know if he strikes me as a guy that can do that. It's not knock on him. It's just... It's just how he works. Yeah. There has to be someone else there that can elevate him because he wasn't able to do that. And he was with the Ravens for a long time. Yeah. And and sometimes those changes have to come. You know, it, it because they, they can look at other ways, but there was real, there's really not going to be a reason to fire John Harbaugh. And there's no reason to move off of Lamar. If you have your franchise guy, you have him. So Lamar gets his deal. And the other part this does is I've always viewed when you make a guy the highest paid player or or there's another team involved. It's kind of like a poker game. And I think the Ravens say, okay, we'll pay Lamar, but here's the challenge. Bengals, you're going to have to go past this to pay Joe Burrow. Chargers, you're going to have to go past this to pay Justin Herbert just because that's the way the market works. And so now they've essentially dared two teams in their conference who both these guys are due for extensions. This is what has to happen. So it'll be interesting to see how the Burrow and Herbert thing goes down. Burrow for sure will get his money. I'm still not quite there with Justin Herbert just yet. I I think he's he'll be he'll get there, but he's not quite there yet. Like I, if I'm the Chargers, I'd be a little careful before committing to him long term. Lamar gets his deal done from the Ravens, and then you know when all their good stuff happened. Let's we'll wait to see how else the Ravens help Lamar out. But we go from gridiron to the hardwood. And, Dan, how about them New York Knickerbockers? Hey, man, what, what can you say? This is a year – look, it. this was a dominant series by the Knicks. The Cavs did not scare anybody on that team. No one. You had the the what the, the so-called twin towers, or you can't get by uh 
Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Okay, well, they were non-factors in the series. They were supposed to tighten up the middle and make prevent the Knicks from getting inside the lane. And what are the Knicks all series? They got inside the lane. They were able to drive in and easily make buckets. And on top of that, you had great play from R.J. Barrett. This is the play that I wanted all season. And yet he's aggressive. He's making shots. He's being smart with the basketball. And then, of course, the, the signing of the season, no matter what happens with the Knicks, this is the signing of the season. And that's Jalen Brunson, who once again is proving exactly what I've been saying this entire time. And look, I, I know people at the time when the Knicks signed him were not very thrilled even though Brunson's a good player, they were not very thrilled with the signing because it doesn't elevate the team. I said, but he's a true point guard. And that makes a huge difference. And it's being shown out there. By the way, another 20-point performance and uh, assists and everything. He's just making the offense so much better. And you add that on top of the defense from Hardenstein, his rebounding as well. Mitchell Robinson had a great, great game five. He was dominant on the boards. He probably was the biggest factor of game five. If it wasn't for him being on the floor for all those rebounds and making all those big plays, I don't know if the Knicks, you know, they'll probably win the game, but I don't know if it's as big as they want it. Yeah, I, I thought Mitchell Robinson was fantastic the whole series, like you did. R.J. Barrett, the way he played in games three through five, w- was sensational after really poor play in games one and two. And, and people are sort of saying we should apologize for criticizing R.J. No, 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 no criticism. He was bad in games one and two. I'm mm-hmm. glad that he made adjustments in his game for – the rest of the series because the Knicks need him to win. The Knicks need him. He's the one, not Julius. And look, Julius was awful in the series. Um, Not Julius, not just Brunson. They need RJ. This is a guy that they committed to. They said no to Donovan Mitchell and yes to RJ Barrett. Bottom line, bottom line. Knicks move forward. And they got away from the Cavs. And then, like I said, the Cavs didn't scare me overall. You had Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, who's a fine player. One of the best in the league. But, man, ever since game two, like, I have no clue what, the, the, what we saw from him. He's missing shots. He's not being that that big-time player that we expected him to be in the series. And we thought he was going to be the guy that ruins the next season. He didn't ruin anything. If anything, the person that would have ruined it was Darius Garland. And outside of game two, he was a non-factor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Garland, I know Garland in uh, – was it game four – he led the Cavs to make a, a comeback type of thing in the third quarter. But let's be real. Like, Garland wasn't that good in the series. The Knicks did a very good job at containing him. 
and just absolutely swarmed the Cavs on defense. It was not even close. You you had absolutely non 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 factors on all aspects, and you know both the Cavs and Knicks have depth. They didn't even bother to use the depth, and you know that that's on the coaching because you have to adjust your game. That means you got to bring in someone like a Rubio or anybody off the bench to give you a spark like the Knicks did when they bring in someone like a Hardenstein. When they were, you know, trying to figure out how to contain the Cavs trying to come back into a game. You have to make that adjustment. The the depth of the Knicks, I I mean, Grimes had a good – when he played, he was playing okay. McBride had some great – big place josh hart josh hart too. josh hart and josh hart i mean he's another one of those big acquisitions we got him for nothing and i know he's a free agent we we can sign him right now i i I do it in a heartbeat i mean i don't know what we're waiting for i know they probably want to wait till the offseason but it's like yeah you start negotiating now because we don't get players like Josh Hart who could play big-time defense and also score a little bit here and there, too. And he's been he's been huge in that in that Knicks run in the second half of the season, uh, trying to get themselves into the playoffs. And he, he certainly helped make this Knicks team so much better. Yeah, so the Knicks advanced to the second round for the second time in 22 years. And they advanced to play the Miami Heat. Rivalry renewed. The Heat get here by beating the Bucs. Is that five games as well, or was that six? Five games, yep. Five games, which after game five, can we play the audio of Giannis? Yeah, yeah, I I have it right here. Yes. Okay, so this was Giannis after game five. Uh, of Bucks Heat, and, and I just want to make it very clear: the Bucks. But before we play this out, the Bucks were dreadful, absolutely dreadful, with their um, with their game plan. They had they had no idea what they wanted to do on offense down the stretch, and you know the Heat. You know they only have Jimmy Butler here, so it you know the Heat are injured like nothing. And the fact that the Bucs could not figure out a way to beat this team and pretty much beat, you know, it, it, it just, it's just frustrating to watch. You know, this is a, a, a number one seeded team and they lose in that fashion. Just ridiculous. By the way, it was an overtime victory for uh, the Heat and they were able oh. advanced over. J- Jimmy Butler was so good. Yeah, I mean, absolutely terrific, terrific stuff. Um, now, like I said, down the stretch, the Bucks made some awful, awful plays. Giannis actually played well, uh, but uh, clearly, uh, the, the Bucks did not do the job and they were able to. They, they uh, unfortunately, their season comes to an end. Uh, and as uh, Mike Griffin said, we do have sound from post game comments from the Greek freak, and um, uh, you, you, you obviously make your own opinions, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Do you view this season as a failure? Oh, my God. Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. 
we, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know. Um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful, some days you're not. Some days it's your turn, some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports about. You don't always win. Some other, other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Simple as that. We're gonna come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits, try to uh, play better, not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year, and uh, last year I was in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back, but I remember it. I think back to Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter always said, the goal is to win. If you don't win, you have not done your job throughout the entire season. I understand what he said. I'm not necessarily saying that he's wrong. But what I am saying is, and this is probably the New York mindset because we expect so much from our teams, Rifkin. Mm -hmm. You can't, you have to expect that people, people are going to have a lot of expectations for you to win. And if you don't win, people are not going to be happy. Front office isn't going to be happy. Fan base isn't going to be happy. The national media is going to, start thinking certain things. So while Giannis isn't necessarily wrong, from a New York perspective, it is a failure. It's not a disappointment. It's a letdown. You failed at your job to win. You were the number one seed in Eastern Conference, best record in the NBA. And you can't even make it to pass the first round to a depleted Miami Heat team that only has Jimmy Butler, to me, that is a problem. And, yes, Giannis didn't play the entire series. But there were games where Giannis was out, and they won games. So you cannot tell me that it's not a failure. It is a failure. I like his mindset of it's not a failure. I do get where he's coming from, but it's – it's a failure because of the type of team you had. It, it, it's a failure because you were the one seed and you played against, you know, the team that was in the play. And uh, the, the, the things 
that that I'll say is I think back to LeBron. Mm-hmm. Before LeBron won a, won the titles with the Heat, and we regarded him as he, he, he you know, we know who he is. He's a great player, one of the all time greats. And we knew he was the face of the league, but it was just like he, he needs to have that moment to make the Jordan comparison work. Mm-hmm. Because that that was that was the argument for him in Jordan. I look at it a little bit differently with Giannis because he's now he's won a title. So his goal every year should be to get back to winning the title. And so this is a failure. When you don't win, it is a failure. Look, we, we gave LeBron crap when you know he wasn't winning. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant still gets crap because all he did was he went to Golden State to win. Exactly. And he still receives criticism for it. And, and let's be real, Mike. He, he did mention the fact that Michael Jordan – of the 15 season, you only won six times. By the way, six championships. Anyone would kill for six championships. Can yeah. But when Michael Jordan didn't win championships before he got that one, that first one, people were calling, not necessarily calling his career a bust, but they were starting to wonder if he'll ever win a championship. That's how much of the shortcomings meant. So, yeah, people thought of him as a failure, too, before he finally won a championship. And look at the teams he had to go through. He'd go through the bad boy Pistons. He had to go through the Knicks, who were good at the time. And so it's a little bit different. And so Giannis already has won. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and criticize him for but And I like his mindset of, it's not a failure. It's a step towards getting better. I think that's a great mindset to have. They were the best team. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, it's you used the word correctly before. It's a letdown. It is a massive letdown. The season for them is a failure because you, every team's goal before a season is to win a championship. And if you come up short of that, it's a failure. Now. There is a different – there are a number of teams who could say it's not because that wasn't their goal. Teams like Oklahoma City, Houston, yeah. Sacramento. You know, and for Sacramento and Oklahoma City, they exceeded their expectations. The Milwaukee Bucks are always going to be in this conversation as long as they have Giannis with the teams that have to win a title. Yeah. Other than that, you're the Milwaukee Bucks – and you haven't been relevant since Ray Allen. Yeah, and, and you know they have the squad to do it. Yeah. So that's why, and I'm, I'm tired of the words disappointment. Why is it so bad to say you let your fan base down? You let everyone down. It's not a bad thing to say, and that was not a bad question from the reporter because it's the truth. All year long, everyone's saying Bucks. Team to be in the final, and they and they don't even make it past the first round. Yeah, who are the two teams all year? Bucks, Celtics, and then it was supposed to be everyone else. 
Well, one of those teams is in the second round, and it's not the Bucs. Yep, exactly. I hope he uses this as motivation. Yeah. I, I really hope he does. Do I mind the quote? Not really. But deep down, if you're angry and pissed off, show it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Show, that's show that's the emotion. That's a great point there, Mike. He really should have used that moment right there as a way to show his frustration, not necessarily at the reporter. And one of the things that I did like about his answer was that he didn't make it personal with the reporter, yeah. which is very good on him because a lot of players would make it personal. He did not. But you, you can, you're allowed to be angry at the fact that you had a good team, best team in the NBA, mm-hmm. especially when you were on the floor, and you did not accomplish your goal. You can be mad at that. You could have answered that question in many ways, but to give this whole, no, no, not the, not the failure, not the failure. No, it's not going to fly. It's not. You want to be a superstar? You have to win. And again, he's not necessarily wrong with what he's saying. Right. You're goal oriented, goal oriented. You're always trying to get better and better and better, but it is a major letdown with the type of team they had and where they were seated. And how highly regarded they were. So I, I listen. I, you know, I I brought the dude up before. Argument's sake, the Lakers lost uh, Game Five to the Grizzlies. If they lose Game Six and Game Seven, and they lose in the first round, that's a failure. Mm-hmm. And LeBron James will probably tell you it's a failure. Yeah. If Golden State were to lose Game Six and Game Seven against the Kings, Steph Curry's going to tell you that's a failure on their part. The greatest players of all time have all said, you don't win, there's nothing, there's no moral victory. Not not, not at the professional level, no moral. Unless you're one of those teams that, you know, doesn't have that high expectation. But for Giannis in the box, they're going to have to wait till next year to see if they can capture another ring. I mean, who do they have that's coming back? So Giannis is still under contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Middleton is still under contract. Drew Holiday would be un- under contract. Uh, Bobby Portis will be under contract. Grayson Allen's under contract. Pat Connaughton. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp and Javon Carter. The, those are the names I'll be under contract. Now, the the thing I, I would consider for them also is we play in an era of these super teams. Yeah. And, and I like what they have with Drew Holiday and Giannis and Middleton. But if they wanted to add something, maybe move on from Middleton and add another score, Maybe not the worst thing in the world. Because the well, other team in Los Angeles might look to blow some things up. Yeah. After Kawhi and Paul George let them down again. You you mentioned Holiday and Milton. They're getting a year older. Yep. So, you know, slowly but surely that window is going to close too. So it wouldn't be a shocking thing for some a team like the Bucks to – have 
you know, conversations with other teams or if they ever become free agents, you know, looking to some big time free agents to sort of fill in the gaps or, you know, address it through the draft as well. It's, you know, but, but the fact that for the, the, the bit, the biggest big time players are coming back. That's, that's a big positive for the bucks. They can certainly run it back again. Um, and team, listen, when you win and you have superstars, that's going to lure guys to take less money to go play for you. Exactly. So if guys want to go play with Giannis to take and take less money, do it. Go for it, Milwaukee. You're not in the position of a team like the Knicks or the Heat where you can use the city as the backdrop and say, this is all yours. Exactly. You're Milwaukee. So I, I, I honestly, like, you know, as a New Yorker, like, I don't even like using the city. I want, and, and obviously, it, it's, it's always going to be used because it, it is a big market. Of course it is. Um, but there, there are some disadvantages to it. You got to have a good team. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Bucks stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, is there anything else you wanted to hit on? You know, uh, a little trouble in paradise for the blue shirts, Mike. Are you are you scared? First of all, what did you think of of Gallant's answer during post game about how his played how his players had a lot of effort against the Devils? Because to me, the Devils swarmed the Rangers. They had no chance of doing anything. I'm very disappointed in the Rangers' effort the last two games. Yeah. I I, I think for Gallant, he, he called him out after game four, and he didn't want to do it again after game five, which... But, 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 but he's not going to be Tortorella, where he's the players are going to turn on him. Like, no, I, listen, I, I don't understand. He, here's the thing. Game six is Saturday night. I, there's an APB out for certain people. Mm-hmm. There's an APB out for Mika Zibanejad, yep. who hasn't scored this series. There's an APB out for Artemi Panarin, who hasn't showed up this series. There's an APB out for Patrick Kane. This is the reason why the Rangers went out and got Patrick Kane, to help them win a Stanley Cup. He had a goal in game one, or game two, rather. That's been it. The only per there are two guys I will not call out and say there's there are three guys. There's not an APB out for Chris Kreider because he's done it. He did his thing in the first two games. Tarasenko scored in the first two games, but I need a little bit more. And I'm sure as heck not going to call out Igor Shesterkin, who's played very well. The rest of the team, get your head out of your ass and start playing better hockey like we. Like the fans expect you to play. If the Devils flat out beat you, the Devils beat you. But it's the effort. It's the want to win. Mm-hmm. It seems like that Dougie Hamilton goal in game three in overtime, that just set the whole thing back. And it was kind of reminiscent of what happened against Tampa last year in the Eastern Conference Finals when Tampa won game three in the last minute and then the just – Went off. So, I am concerned. Yeah, but Devils, to their to their credit, have absolutely been tremendous 
these last uh, three games, even even that uh, game three of the Garden, um, you know, they they played the Rangers very well when the Rangers got a little too cocky, a little too cute. The Devils didn't give up on their aggressive play, and they they were terrific. So these last three games absolutely been spectacular. And Schmidt, you insert him as the goalie, and I mean the Rangers have no answer. Well, but uh, I think you you hit on it last night. Igor has been terrific this entire series, and it's if they lose, it's not because of him. So no, and if they lose, there's going to be some really interesting decisions on certain guys. So. That that's gonna be wait and see as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Rangers Devils game six on a Saturday at the Garden, and uh, if the Rangers don't make it to game seven at the Rock, it's gonna be, uh, be a lot of questions for the Rangers. Lots and lots of it. It's very disappointing, folks. At SIN Sports Insane, that is our Twitter handle for the podcast. At Essence Real on Facebook and Twitter. Please follow us. Follow the YouTube channel, the Sports Sanity Network. We have blogs over there. And, you know, go to our website as always, Mike Ripken. That's sportssanitynetwork.com. Yeah, great blogs, vlogs, meet the crew, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yep. So, all right. This was bottom of the eighth inning of the Sports Insanity Podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Great weekend, everybody. Peace out, folks. Hello, everyone. Bill here. And I thought I'd just take this moment to talk about the Giants draft picks. Um, The first one they got was DeAndre Baker from Maryland. And this was an interesting pick because I thought the Giants were going to get a wide receiver so they can focus on getting weapons for Daniel Jones. If you want, if you read my mock draft, I had Zay Flowers going to the Giants, but he was gone and went to Baltimore. You had Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, Nujabu. All go. You had four wide receivers going right before they got to the Giants after they, they traded up with Jacksonville. Um, I think DeAndre Baker is an interesting choice. I think he's going to fit in well. With this Martindale defense, he grew up a Ravens fan when Martindale was a defensive coordinator. Um, last season, he had eight pass breakups, 38 tackles, and one interception. I think this is going to be a great addition to the D. I think Wink Martindale probably had a lot of input on this. And I think this could really beef up the defense. Because I think Bank can release disrupt disruption and break up those passes, like I just said. And and I can't wait to see what he does with this defense. And now going over to the second round pick, John Michael Schmitz. I think Schmitz can, he's a center. I think the Giants have been boosting the offensive line. As you know, their offensive line has basically been the bane of their existence for years. But I think Joe Shane and Brian Dable have taken that step in the right direction. I think Schmitz has good play strength with strong hands to gain control and work inside to create torque and knock defenders off balance to finish. And getting run fits inside of shaded defensive tackle 
and combo with the leg drive. So I I think he can also use his hands in pass protection in on and off flash to bait and switch rushers. I think Schmitz is going to be a good addition to this offensive line. And his playing style is... And he has a violent downhill playing style with and is very consistent. So I think he's going to be a great addition here. He had he is AP first team All American, three star left tackle recruit out of his high school, and thirty five career starts at center. I think he can. I think the Giants so far have made the correct choices here in the NFL draft. Just a quick uh, correction, uh, and again, I, I'm, I'm sure Bill made an honest mistake here, but uh, it is Deontay Banks that the Giants drafted. The name of the cornerback that the Giants drafted from Maryland, his name is Deontay Banks. So I just wanted to uh, get a chance to get that correct. I'm sure, again, Bill just made an honest mistake, so don't don't come after him, folks. Uh, but yeah, Deontay Banks, you the Giants' first-round draft pick. And uh, like Bill said, coming out of Maryland, Baltimore native, and a uh, big-time quarterback for the New York Giants. And will fit very well in that uh, Martindale defense, for sure. Just wanted to make that note, and I hope you will join us next time. Take care. What's going on, everyone? Lawrence Patchman Lang here, president of the Sports Insanity Network, just reminding you to go to our website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork, where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports Insanity Network.